Hi folks, I am Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 4th, 2012. For newcomers, help yourself to the audios at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and uh, you'll find, if you go into them in enough depth and, and stick with it, you'll understand the system you're born into. You'll understand why things are happening with such rapidity today and you'll also understand how long it was in the works. A hundred years in the making and even more in some parts of it to bring in this controlled, ordered, planned society globally under a global system of government. And it's not democratic by any means at all. In fact, the United Nations, which is trying to take over right now, uh, it doesn't label itself as a, a democratic institution. The Club of Rome, the big think tank for the United Nations, has said so too, that dem- democracy doesn't work. There's too many conflicting parties all with their own ideas. So they simply bypass it and bring in an authoritarian system. And that's why you're seeing so much happening in your own countries right now, even under the guise of terrorism. Remember, too, that you bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, where hopefully you'll understand the past, the present, and and also the future, if you go through them, you'll understand nothing if you don't understand the past. Nothing at all. So buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And that will keep me ticking along to give you more information. Number two, from the U.S. to Canada, use a personal check or an international postal money order. Send cash or you can use PayPal. It's all on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And straight donations are really welcome. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. But we do live in a planned system, and under this guise of terrorism, of course, that came along at the right time, the right time to get the whole agenda through that is, then uh, everything's going full blast across the whole planet. As the old, the old schools, you call them, the guys that uh, owned the money systems a long, long time ago, uh, put their plan into action to take over all the world's resources. That's including food and water, by the way and all the minerals, all the oil, everything, everything, basically, that they need to manufacture for the future. They've taken it over through plunder and war, uh, not for countries, but for themselves, because, you see, they're, they're supranational, they're above nations, they're international, and they brought us this new globalist system. We don't. We, why do we bother voting when everything comes from the United Nations or through international treaties from private organizations? We don't vote in these organizations, and yet you wait and see. You wait and see. If you thought Agenda 21 is bad enough in the Millennium Project, you wait and see until Maurice Strong's agenda comes through with the next part uh, in June from the Global Summit of the Rio meeting, and that's going to make you really, really angry. I'd imagine other folks will think, well, it's not heading us right away. It'll be gradual. I'll be happy and play like I have before. That's how most folk react, because the media won't make a big deal about it. It's only through alternative media you'll understand what's actually going on, because nobody else bothers to look at it, you see. Governments all know what's going on. 
right down to your local governments, and even your town councils, because they're already following the plans of the, the Millennium Project and Agenda 21. And so are the schools, of course, as they, they rear a whole nation, and nations, many nations, of young greenies to live in a sort of communistic society with the help of Big Pharma. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and we're back cutting through the matrix talking about this big amazing system we live in as it uh, rolls ahead with a big agenda and there definitely is a big agenda How, why do you think the United Nations was set up in the first place go into its history find out what the purposes were at the time and you'll find out that uh, long before it was called the United Nations and when it was called the League of Nations it was set up by the same big powerful banking families that formed the CFR and the Royal Institute of International Affairs the same groups, basically, that promoted communism, and they, and they funded it too, the big bankers. They funded the communist system in Russia from the very beginning, right through to its demise at the end. And it was no demise because it was all planned, as the man from the Ford Foundation said, the CEO, uh, back in the 50s during the Reese Commission, he said, eventually the Soviet system will merge with the West, even through education and other means too, and a, a new type of system, exactly what Lenin said too, but one generation would pass, then the dictatorship would, would uh, change or fall. And the new system would come in. Not quite capitalist, not quite communist. They call it socialism. But really, it's a eugenical type of socialism. It's the old idea that there are superior people who should run the planet. And that was also echoed by Mr. Rockefeller himself. And um, the end of nations should, should uh, come to pass. They've had their day, and it's time now for the elites and an educated class to basically govern over the people. It's not a democratic system, as I say, and at the moment, for those who still vote, you may have noticed, I hope so, that your countries are not democratic at all. Now, it's surprising, too, that regardless of what they want to call the system you live under, whether it's communist or capitalist, it's always the same handlers at the top, basically. And uh, even in the, in the communist system, the first order of the day was to get a central bank on the go, much like we've got across the whole of so-called the capitalist countries. You'll find all of this again if you go into the writings of Professor Carl Quigley, who was the historian for this particular organization. And um, he got into the archives and wrote books about it and how they had such a massive uh, hand in changing history, directing the future, that he thought it was time that the general public should know. So Macmillan published his book, probably without reading much of it, and then about two months later, they cracked the plates, they smashed the plates when they found out he was letting everything out the bank to the general public. But there are books out there, there's reprints too, and as far as I can see, they're the same as the original one there. So try and get your whole, a hold of uh, Professor Carl Quigley's books. But, as I say, we're going through this system, and it's, regardless of what they want to call the system, the new era, the green society, whatever, it's going to be the same old system we've really, really had. Because, you see, the top federal bureaucracies in all countries are pretty well intergenerational. They have special schools for their own children, just like the United Nations does, too. Those who work there have their special schools to breed more bureaucrats for the next generation. It's been like that for a long, long time. 
And regardless of the system, as I say, that they want to call themselves, you'll find the bureaucrats of one system are, live comparatively well on a level with those of another system. Even the Soviets admitted that. Their bureaucrats lacked nothing all through the Cold War. They lived the same lifestyle as those in the West. Now, in Beijing, that's still technically communist, supposedly, with this, in fact, it's a model state for the world, remember, according to the big boys themselves. The United Nations has said that many times. We've all to emulate that. Now, it's not a democratic society. And they have no problems dealing with uh, or, or saying that the elite should rule, the intelligentsia should rule the lesser peoples. They have no problem with a division of labor on class basis, basically. And it's basically written into their whole charter. But membership, it says here, in the utter upper uh, ranks of the Chinese Communist Party has always had a few undeniable advantages. There are the state-supplied luxury sedans, just like it is everywhere else, special schools for the young ones, same as here and everywhere else, and even organic produce grown on well-guarded government-run farms, just like here and everywhere else, you see. When they fall ill, senior leaders can check into the 301 military hospitals, just like here and everywhere else. When they change the laws in the 90s in the US and in Canada and Britain, Australia, New Zealand and elsewhere, that politicians could go into the top military hospitals if they need any help at all. It's strange that we're all really the same, but we call ourselves different. We're, we're supposed to be democratic. Anyway, it says here, but even in their most adult moments of envy, ordinary Beijingers could take some comfort in the knowledge that the soupy air, the polluted air they breathe, as we do too for all the chemtrails, on especially polluted days also finds its way into the lungs of their privileged and pampered. Such assumptions, it seems, are not entirely accurate. As it turns out, the homes and offices of many top leaders are filtered by high-end devices, at least according to a Chinese company, the Broad Group, which has been promoting its air-purifying machines and advertisements that highlight their ubiquity in places where many officials work and live. Well, it's not kind of nice for them. You understand, but they keep talking about the classless societies. And some countries have done a good job of convincing the public of all classes that there is a cla- that there's, there's no class system, more so in the U.S., because the, the, the accents tend to cloud everything there. Whereas in Britain, of course, you have to adopt the upper class uh, accent. And really that came from a bastardization of English because old King George, he only spoke German and, and the court had to copy him and, uh, and suddenly do the same. Before that, of course, some of the, 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 the court from the Norman times spoke French. And so the court only spoke French. So the court always adopts, basically the upper middle class adopts the accent and the dialects and so on and of the, of whoever rules the country. So it helps in the class thing because how can you be better than other people if you talk the same way or dress the same way, behave, act or eat the same way, you see, and live in the same places? So class I think will always be with you because that's a system we're in and, uh, under the monetary system, it doesn't change whether you're in a communist country or a, a capitalist country. It doesn't change at all. And most of the public never figure it out. So anyway, governments also, in, in the West and everywhere else, always tend to get their own families in or in-laws in to governments or bureaucracies. Bureaucracies, according to Hitler, were so important, almost more important than the guy who's voted in. 
and he likened it to Winston Churchill uh, getting power over Britain via the bureaucracy. He said if you get them on your side, then you can do anything with the country, and that is so incredibly true. We're run by bureaucrats. Houses come and go, or politicians, but the bureaucrats stay the same. They're there for life, you see. And so are their children, and their children and children. That's how it really works. And that started even in the U.S. Right after the revolution, they were already trying to get their children in. And um, you read about in your history books. Now, as they're going, they say at the top, of course, there's never been such an amazing gap between the rich and the poor. And it's true, it's true because the cash is going into fewer and fewer hands as the pirates at the top basically uh, squander all or, or, and eliminate all competition. They get rid of them. And uh, during these times of uh, bank raids and everything else in different countries and wars and plunder, they've got so much cash to get. It's just incredible untold wealth they can plunder from nations using governments, of course, and... Uh, and, and then they're getting their cuts from oil fields and all that kind of stuff. It's going on all the time. The world is divvied up, as I said before, with all of its resources. And government is not helping the people at all. In any country that I can see, they're helping the corporations because that's all part of this new system uh, along with the United Nations. The United Nations, as I say, is not, not a democratic institution. It was set up by the richest people on the planet as a communistic, socialistic bent the way that it talks to the general public, but in reality, it's it's really just uh, the socialist form of control is the easiest form of control over masses of people because bureaucrats and agencies from government working with private sectors uh, can get a lot more done than if it was democratic, you see. And this is their perfect society. And as they're doing this, and they're going off to war, and they're paying billions out to private corporations as everything's privatized, across the world. In Britain, again, Britain was the, one of the first countries to have a national health service. It worked great at the start, of course, but it was never designed to keep that way. They wanted to, to eventually privatize them all, and people talked about that at the beginning. They give it so many years, and then they start to create crisis in their health care. And, of course, as you go through all these wars, they keep saying, oh, my goodness, you know, we can't afford to you know, treat your illnesses at the same time. So they're slashing it to the bone. And when the International Monetary Fund comes into play, they do slash everything to the bone. The worst, first thing you go is healthcare. If you follow the trail of the International Monetary Fund, you'll find that tuberculosis and a whole host of diseases follows in its wake as it, as it ends up uh, taking over the country. It takes over really the government of the country. It tells them what they spend and what, what they can't spend on. Family doctors in Britain are ordered to cut the number of patients referred to hospital to earn extra cash, it says. Uh, family doctors have been ordered to slash the numbers of patients and it says 6 out of 10 doctors say they face inappropriate pressure to refer fewer patients and potentially deny them the best care. The controversial scheme can pay out almost £9,000 a year to surgeries. It started last May when, when the ministers, politicians and so on brought in a series of targets enabling doctors to be rewarded for cutting the number of patients sent to hospitals, specialists or A&E departments. This is, however, a poll of 667, doctors found that 60% were facing inappropriate demands from managers. And uh, the National Health Service has been told to say this is another £20 billion over the next three years, leaving health trust managers looking for ways to cut costs. The problem is, too, you see, 
part of the, the reason that the, all the crisis was uh, the government enabled uh, masses of, again, bureaucrats to, to run the National Health Service. The old system was fine. There was, there was fewer uh, chiefs at the top. Now it seems to be all chiefs at the top. And uh, everybody in government and bureaucrats wants to get their family into things. Well, you just put them in charge of hospitals on the big panels that run on these trust companies, as they call them. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and back in 95 or so, I think it was Granitstein, a man called Granitstein, a reporter for Toronto's Sun, came out with the news that the US and Canada had signed an agreement that all electronic devices for, for communication must have chips put in them and backdoors uh, so that uh, agencies could wiretap them or listen in to conversations on phones, all faxes, everything else. Uh, so that was back in 1995. So here's an update here. But we know for, for sure, for instance, that they've been doing that steadily uh, all, since then onwards uh, to pretty well all your emails and everything else. We know that because there's been so much leaked out over the years. But you understand, too, if they come out with all this at the beginning, before, instead of telling you that well, there's lots of pornography on the Internet, if they told you that there's nothing safe, nothing personal, it's for government use and government agencies, would you really have got a computer? So they give you time to chomp away and get used to it, and then they gradually introduce it, knowing you won't throw the thing away, you see. It's quite simple psychology. Anyway, it says FBI now needs wiretap-ready websites. It says that they're asking internet companies not to oppose a controversial proposal that would require firms including Microsoft, Facebook, Yahoo, Google to build in back doors for government surveillance. Like they, all, they don't have them already. Of course they've got them already. So something else going on here. And meetings with industry representatives of White House and U.S. senators, senior FBI officials argue the dramatic shift in communication from telephone system to the Internet has made it far more difficult for agents to wiretap Americans suspected of illegal activities, CNET has learned. Now remember, too, uh, that even Pilger said that they're all in prison now. So, so really, we're all suspects. Everyone's a suspect. If you think at all outside the box, you're a suspect. That's really what they're looking for. It's not for terrorists. Technically, you are a terrorist if you can think. If you're not prattling on about dancing with the stars or American Idol or something like that, then you're, you're not classified as safe if you're actually talking about something that matters. The FBI General Counsel's Office has drafted a proposed law that the Bureau claims is the best solution, requiring that social networking sites and providers of voice over Internet providers, instant messaging and web email, alter their code to ensure their products are wiretap-friendly. Is that a nice term, wiretap-friendly? And if you create a service product or application that allows a user to communicate, you get the privilege of adding that extra coding. An industry representative has reviewed the FBI's draft legislation told CNET. The requirement only applies only if a threshold of a certain number of users is exceeded, according to a second industry rep briefed on it. So, really, there's no privacy at all. And we are all suspects, especially if you can think. If you're not prattling about what what's your, your, your trended to talk about, you see. If you're not prattling about that, then they've got to look into you to see why you're still thinking. For yourself, that is. You know, asking questions. Asking questions. And 
I've talked so many times about uh, psychopaths, and I might put a link tonight on a couple of videos that are up there, but um, the guys at the top pretty well are all psychopaths. Politicians, even in psych- psychiatric books, were classed as psychopaths right up until the late 70s, and that's when a lot of, that's when psychiatry lost its credibility when it became political, obeyed political decisions about many things and normalized a lot of things, and even politicians. And uh, But before that, they called them hysterical attention-seeking psychopaths, the same as any actor or actress. So here's a good example here. I'm ready for a comeback. Tony Blair has made, made millions since quitting, and now he wants to re-engage with UK politics. And, of course, he's been over appointed to the Middle East for quite a few years, supposedly under some strange... Uh, semi-government um, treaty or organization he works with, the quartet, and at the same time he was also working for Morgan Stanley and raking in the cash there. But anyway, there, there's a good psychopath wanting to make a comeback, and I'm sure he's probably, he probably knows that most folk can't remember that he was even in before, that's how fast your memory goes these days with the food that you're eating and everything else get hitting you. Another one, too, for Canadians is taxes cost Canadian families more than food, clothing, and shelter combined. And it's just starting, folks, just starting. In London, the Metro Police are stockpiling plastic bullets. Of course, they've already got the real ones as well, much like they have got in the U.S. with all the millions of hollow points coming in, just in case things get ugly, you know, that kind of thing. And because they're all worried now about, about the economy going down again, See, it'll only go down and collapse when it's time to collapse it again. But if it happens before through some mistake or whatever, or some pirate coming in that's not part of the club and plundering on his own, and it collapses, then obviously there'll be chaos. And uh, that's how they deal with chaos. You know, they don't chat to people and say, look, we're in a terrible mess, etc., etc., and here's what happened, and here's what we have to do. They just turn the forces on the public. That's how governments always deal with these situations. And also uh, a U.S. military industrial giant called KBR is in the bidding to privatize British police forces. This is from the Dallas News. Hailed as the largest police privatization scheme in the U.K., it has been suggested the private companies who win the contract will be asked to perform several uh, police office functions, including patrols, detention, and criminal investigation. By the way, they even have children's services like SWAT teams and that to grab children. All the things that the cops are opting nowadays, they have all sections for that as well. KBR, a former subsidiary of the Halliburton Group, well, is that a surprise, has attracted its share of criticism over the large contracts it won with the U.S. government during the recent wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. The corporation also helped to build the Guantanamo Bay Detention Facility. So welcome to Britain and as they privatize everything. And these guys, remember, are not responsible to the public. Go and complain to your councillors and your officials. Well, we, we didn't, you know, we don't deal with their private. We can't tell them not to touch you. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the craziness of the system and how things are presented to the general public. And um, 
Of course, it's altered by the electronic media too, as Marshall McLuhan said, that it distorts everything even through electronics. You don't see body language even on television. It's different because television will eventually emulate the system which it is, which is electronic. It's like Hollywood making movies about Hollywood. That's how it becomes eventually bizarre. Even the news has all these flashing uh, little scrolls along the bottom and on the side and these, all these screens behind them of Mickey Mouse and things like that. And you don't listen to what's actually being said uh, as far as news goes. It, in other words, it creates its own format, which really isn't news at all, and it becomes entertainment, as Marshall McLuhan said. Anyway, getting back to what I'm talking about. The energy-efficient home. This is what was done in Germany. This was a showpiece that everyone would be living in these energy-efficient homes, you see. And it says, In the story of the fools of Schilda, like a fairy tale, the citizen fools built a city hall but forgot the windows. So they put sunlight inside bags and carried it inside. Now a new episode of The Fools of Schilda has been written in Berlin. Today's fools are in a state of panic over the world's energy reserves and dangerous atomic radiation. Maybe they put lead lining outside of the two. And so they build a house that produces more energy than it can use and is supposed to fulfill the dream of being 100% uh, run by itself, renewable energy. When it comes to transforming its energy supply, no cost is too high for the German government. As a flagship project, the Shimmering Blue Efficiency Plus with Electromobility, as it's called, and I'll, I'll give you links to that, you can see the photographs and everything, was ceremoniously opened on 7th December 2011 by the German Chancellor Angela Merkel and Federal Minister and has been recently occupied by a test family. The Federal Minister, Peter Ramsauer, said, We want to show people that a completely renewable energy supply is already possible today, and it's an everyday thing. Our motto is, My home is my petrol station, like gasoline station. The house should not and will not stay a prototype. What we're presenting here is the home of the future. And I guess it's for those that can afford it, because it was an awful lot, 2.2 million euros it cost. So you can imagine, this is what government does, right? So... It says here in the brochure issued by the Federal Ministry for Transportation, Construction and Urban Developments, we find the following technical information and claims. The surplus energy the house produces is stored in a house battery and in an electric car, which acts both as a storage and a user of the energy. Both home and mobility are thus independent of the power grid. The house is ecologically sustainable, fully recyclable, and highly energy efficient. No fossil fuels-based energies are needed, and no CO2 emissions are caused. I guess the folk inside don't even breathe. The monthly energy need is given by the following chart. I'll give you a chart. But so a check of the data yields a different picture. Misrepresented in the chart of energy demands given by the BMVBS is the monthly power generation of the photovoltaic system. In the winter time, when you have the highest demand for electricity and power, only 10% of the energy needed is generated. So it can only generate 10% of what they claim. Using the monthly averages for PV generation in the region of Berlin in 2011, the following monthly energy budgets results that give you the, the, what actually it costs to keep the damn place uh, heated. Thus, the house is not energy independent and self-sufficient. Uh, taking a closer look at the daily amounts one sees, then in the winter months, the photovoltaic system delivers no energy at all. The planned batteries with a capacity of 40 kilowatts an hour barely suffice to cover the nights in the summertime, in other words, lighting. The necessity capacity for the winter time would have to be more than 100 times greater than it is. For this, no technology is in sight so far. 
The heat pump and electromobility increased the winter peak demand for electricity by a factor of four with respect to purely conventional power needs. So it, it takes power from the general grid. The niche-term technology of photovoltaics cannot replace a single kilowatt of power plant output. And the price tag for this so-called energy-efficient home is 2.2 million euros. So I'll put that up for you too. And it's quite amazing how this rush ahead with these wonderful ideas, eh? And of course you're paying for it all, it doesn't matter. And Der Spiegel reports on Germany's setting sun, the collapse of the solar industry. Countries like the USA who have been seduced by German socialists and Greens into thinking that solar energy and green energy feed-in schemes are a job creator and an engine to prosperity ought to think again, says Der Spiegel. And it says the global solar industry has entered a brutal phase of consolidation and nowhere are the effects as dramatic as in eastern Germany. Several companies have already declared bankruptcy, just like the US, leaving towns and cities in the region struggling with job losses and tax revenue shortfalls and the cost of, of course, that you, because they're all funded by the, by the, your taxpayer even to set them up. The cylinder, in fact, in the US, you know, has left a heck of a mess there of heavy metals and toxic stuff. And, uh, and the taxpayer's gonna to have to clean all that up too. And get back to this article, it says the sun that was said was going to save Frankfurt and their older, the order, a city of 60,000 on the Polish border. After years of post-reunification economic doldrums, whose nadir came with the 2003 failure of a much ballyhooed microchip factory project, the burgeoning German solar industry took an interest in the, t- in the down on its luck city. So it talks about setting up the, the manufacture of the corn energy. It was called corn energy. And, um, and how basically, uh, they declared bankruptcy after getting all the government funding, et cetera, et cetera. And what a mess it's in. But that's the story of, of, of most of what's coming. Mind you, it won't stop them. You understand that people at the top, especially bureaucrats, and, and it was a bureaucrat who explained this to me who worked for in the U.S., and he said, government, once it sets its eyes on something, its sights on something, it's hard to change the course it's on because it goes round corners on square wheels. That's, that's how he likened it. And it's true. You, you, you can't depend on government for a sudden correct answer to something. Uh, they, they keep plowing on, even though, because after all, they're so used to just burning up your cash. And the bankers love it because, because the governments keep going to them to, for more loans and the bankers live on interest. Plus they own the countries basically by holding that interest. Quite something. Quite something indeed. Another article is about electrical pollution and it says, are we being poisoned? Now we've got so much Wi-Fi and everything else. It's a, it's a standard, uh, story that you get though where they give you a lot of scary stories. And then they go back into, well, is it hurting you or is it not hurting you? Like television does. You notice that? And they always leave it at the end like it's, well, it's up to you and your opinion. Instead of just giving you the hard facts. But anyway, it's quite a, a, it's got some good stuff at the beginning and how the folk get sick with it. There's been so many studies on it. But of course, uh, the big boys in government, uh, with the companies that own all of this energy, etc., uh, are always lobbying them to say it's okay. It's up to you how you want to believe. And this article is quite good too. It's about Facebook and others. And it says, how many Facebook friends do you have? It says, a study links uh, narcissism to Facebook activity. 
everybody's been studied on these free sites, eh? because the governments are often uh, um, really obsessed with knowing all about everyone and having a pulse on the people. And here you have people just throwing up all their data quite happily to be studied by all the universities that are given access to all the data. And, of course, all the government agencies too, and uh, the shadow governments. This is for the average narcissist. Facebook is a tool that may promote antisocial behavior. Facebook offers a gateway for hundreds of shallow relationships and emotionally detached communication. Well, it has to be, again, because the medium becomes the whole system itself, not people. And that's how media acts, if it's electronic. A current study by Western Illinois University professor Christopher Carpenter. study was published this month in the Personality and Individual Differences, it's called. The official journal of the International Society for Study of Individual Differences. In the study, Carpenter defined narcissism as a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, kind of like Tony Blair, need for admiration, like Tony Blair, an exaggerated sense of self-importance, like Tony Blair, you know, according to a press release from the university. Using a narcissistic personality inventory, Carpenter and his students surveyed 292 people, most of whom were college students, to measure self-promoting Facebook behavior, such as people posting status updates, their photos, updating profile information, as well as anti-social behaviors, including seeking social support more than providing it. Those the ones who take and don't give. Getting angry when others do not comment on the status updates and retaliating against negative comments. Well, it's, it's the same thing when you look at a lot of the YouTube videos up there. Look at the comments beneath them, uh, and you, you'll see the ones who are always retaliating against negative comments or putting in negative comments too, especially about themselves. People who score higher on the inventory promoted themselves more on Facebook by tagging themselves and updating their news feeds more frequently and by having more friends on Facebook, according to a report in the Guardian newspaper. They concluded that the grandiose exhibitionism correlated with antisocial behavior on Facebook. Self-esteem was negatively related to self-promotion and antisocial behaviors on the site. In general, the dark side of Facebook requires more research in order to better understand Facebook's socially beneficial, and who is, who is beneficial to, uh, is to the guys who own it, who are worth multi-billions for so-called free site, because, of course, they're making all this cash by selling all your information to all the shadow government agencies. They won't stop anybody, of course, because, well, they like it, you know. They kind of like it. And they've been taught and trained that privacy is, oh, it's a drag, man. It's really a drag, isn't it? Privacy stuff. Who needs it? Now, I've mentioned before how the IQ dropped back in the 90s. And things don't suddenly drop when, when an IQ, basically in terms of quota, is innate within you. And there's a lot of factors involved, sure, food and all the rest of it. But what they've had inoculations like crazy. They keep stepping them up for youngsters. And we've seen autism go sky high, for instance, with the more inoculations they get. And the food is junk. We're eating chemicalized. Really, it's a garbage uh, disposal unit. That's what food in grocery stores are now for the general public, where they put all the, the, the waste, the toxic waste from the chemical industries in your food uh, to give it some kind of strange taste. But uh, that's what you get at the bottom. You don't get that fancy stuff in government-grown uh, farms, etc., for organics. And this is all done by design. 
Anyway, intelligent quotants again, however, says, they have risen in the past and developed nations for almost a century. The phenomenon is called the Flynn effect after the New Zealand intelligence researcher James Flynn was first identified in 1984 in the United States. It's been found to occur in all developed nations and some others as well. The received wisdom became IQs. Uh, always go up. That's what they used to believe. But this trend seems to be stopping and even reversing in some countries. Research uh, in Britain, Denmark and Norway has shown. It's discomforting to find intelligence in decline. There's a strong association between a nation's IQ, its prosperity and its health. Well, you need a genius to tell you that. If you can't get good food and all the rest of it and you're, and you're healthy, you're not going to be too bright. Obvious. Like they haven't known this in the Middle Ages and other times when they've caused famine on the public. You know, <laughs> IQ testing is contentious and regarded by some as crude indicator of ability or potential. And it goes on to mention other things like, say, um, nature, nurture, uh, education. They're talking about the classes, in other words. IQs are clearly such that the average test scores a hundred, and they go into the standard deviation, which uh, which is about fifteen either way. But anyway, they go on to say eventually that it's been dropping by about another six points or more in Britain, again, uh, Denmark, uh, Norway, and some other countries. So that doesn't happen by itself. Something, like any detective story, what has changed? What's changed? What, what makes you healthy, in other words? What's changed? And it doesn't take much to find the answers. And... Tonight, too, I'm also putting up uh, one on huh, Agenda 21. Here's an example of Agenda 21 that's going to get a lot more, big, or worse, because, you see, they don't want anyone living on the coastline, eventually. That's the United Nations said that years ago, back in the early 90s. They want to get you all off the coastline so they can have it for their own, you know, beauty spots when they can drop off in the helicopters and have some sunbathing on the beach. That's elite themselves, you see. It says, planning a vacation this summer to Miami's Biscayne Bay for a little fishing. Think again, because the National Park Service wants to set aside a large swath of the pristine area as a marine reserve zone, so you might have to leave the fishing poles at home and the boat. Perhaps horseback riding is more your speed, and the family plans to ride through California's Sequoia or King's Canyon and National Park. Sorry, but all of the permits were pulled for those activities this summer. Or maybe you just want to lounge on the soft sands of North Carolina's Outer Banks and read a novel, fly a kite with the children, toss a frisbee to the dog and watch Dad catch some fish. But no, no and no. Beachcombers along specific stretches of those legendary shores are seeing signs telling them to leave their kites and pets at home and to watch where they step. This is what the signs say. Leave no footprints behind. No kidding. Walk in the water where footprints will wash away. As, I'm not kidding you, this brought by the federal officials. Maybe you should walk on the water, eh? Maybe the New Agers could do that, all the ones who are really green and special and closer to their green deity. Beaches that once welcomed fishermen to drive up to the water's edge are also off limits to the vehicles and so is fishing. These vacation destinations are all national parks now and are once, that once encouraged such recreational uses and enjoyment, but their new no trespassing attitudes have angered the local communities and some in Congress as well. Well, the ones in Congress will get over it as they, you know. I think, I think everyone holds out in politics until the right kind of amount of bribe comes along and it's, that's just how it works. Because it's mainly psychopathic types who go into politics to start with. 
So there you go, they're getting what they want along the beaches, plus Homeland Security is in charge of all the beaches now anyway. And they took all that over as well. Because, you see, there's just terrorism out there. There's whole armies are coming across in submarines to America. You see them every day, don't you? Don't you? Yeah. yeah this is why I take America over. Yeah. And now, if it was not bad enough now with the super uh, GM crops that produce their own pesticides, plus can get poured on with their own super chemicals, heavy, heavy-duty chemicals to kill weeds without killing off the crops. New GM crops could make super weeds even stronger. So herbicide-resistant superweeds threaten to overgrow the U.S. fields, so agriculture companies have genetically engineered a new generation of plants to withstand the heavy doses of multiple extra-toxic weed-killing chemicals. It's a more intensive inversion of the same approach that made the resistant superweeds such a problem in the first place. And some scientists think it will fuel the evolution of the worst superweeds yet. These weeds may go a step further than merely being able to survive one or two or three specific weed killers. The intense chemical pressure could cause them to evolve resistance that would apply to entire classes of chemicals. So, it says here, um, next generation biotech crops erupted in controversy with the U.S. State Department or Department of Agriculture's ongoing review of an Enlist, which is a Dow manufactured corn variety endowed with genes that let it tolerate high doses of both glyphosate an industry standard herbicide, better known as Roundup, and a decades-old herbicide called 2,4-D, which is from Agent Orange, basically. And by the way, the glyphosates basically also are um, endocrine disruptors. Your, your glands are disrupted by them, including uh, the ones that do with your gender. Back in the mid-90s, when so-called Roundup-ready seed strains first allowed farmers to spray the, hermi- the chemicals directly on your fields without damaging crops, it says they were more toxic and less effective than glyphosate. Well, now they're going much stronger with a different kind, even worse. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix, just uh, going through the latest of the craziness of the world. But, but again, it's crazy like a fox. It knows exactly where it's going because it's all planned that way by the big boys at the top. And it's up to you to get all ready uh, for it as well and try and get out the way of things, especially if you can get into the country and even look into uh, areas before you move into them to see if they've got anything planned for that particular area. Go into the council offices and even their archives and see what's planned before you get a little plot of land before you do so. Because eventually, you know what's coming down the pike. Now, we'll go to Larry in North Carolina, if you're still hanging on there, Larry. Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I, I, I appreciate everything you're doing, and uh, I really uh, want to ask you a specific question. What do you think about people that are working on uh, solutions to these problems? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, well, who is working towards solutions to the problems, though? Well, I mean, uh, a lot of people that disagree with the way things are going right now are yeah. thinking about how to solve some of this stuff. Yeah. The problem is, again, you see, you understand in the, tech, in the system of control, uh, they, number one, they tell us what the problems are by, by announcing things. Which So we've come to the conclusion this is going to be a problem. What people never start on is, wait a minute here, 
How can you change anything when you've had the same people running your corrupt banking system for, for hundreds of years? That's, it's got to start there. No one wants to touch that. No one wants to touch that. In fact, even Professor Quigley said uh, that the whole power of this system and this coming system they're putting in, back in the 60s he said this, revolved around their central banking network across the world. So until this private system of debt, etc., uh, and money and, uh, and and so on, all the cons with it, is put back into where it's supposed to be government. And even then, you'd have to have citizens' panels that are going in in rotation, watching these characters, uh, the new characters overseeing it, because they become corrupt too very quickly. Um, it's going to go back to what it was. So until you start with that, nothing's going to change. No country today should be in the mess it's in financially. They use debt like a weapon, you see. And then say, oh my God, we've got to change it. So what's the answer? Agenda 21, communism across the world for all you people. While at the top you have this fascist wealthy elite running the whole show. We, we cannot go along their path. We've got, to, we've got to literally go along our own path and get rid of this, this uh, bogus financial system that's based on debt. And um, when you cannot save up and even have your home paid off, uh, uh, without government coming in, if you can't pay taxes and kicking you out of it, stealing your home, you don't have any freedoms at all. You've got to start with your basic rights, and if you've had them before, you reclaim them. If you haven't had them at all, then you create new ones, basic rights, because it's quite easy to see what your basic rights should be. Your property should, should not be leaned upon by anyone when it's owned outright by you. It doesn't matter what government comes in or changes the law, they cannot do that. We have as much right to live on the land or anywhere else as any animal out there. They don't get taxed for, for, for going where they're going, etc. And we cannot allow ourselves to have experts and scientists with all their pretended theories running our lives for us anymore. This is, this is all the techniques that's been used to control us along the planned agenda. Understand? But you're right, um, but really, there's, there's not enough real people uh, trying to come forward with solutions. But the solutions are very simple. Start with the banking system. No country should be in debt. No country should be in austerity at all, except for the stinking banking system. That's how it's all based, greed. And it will always foster greed when you have the guys at the top manipulate And then crashing them every so often, twice a century, they crash the banks and, and steal from you. And they don't change the rules because the same banks own the legal systems. That's how you should start with it all across the world. That's the start of everything. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>